This conversation was recorded for the Sensitive Success Summit 2022. Remember to check out this year's summit, www.sensitivesuccesssummit.com. It's free to join and we have lots of interesting conversations coming up. Hope to see you there. Welcome to the Sensitive Success Podcast, where we explore the unique challenges and opportunities that comes with being a sensitive changemaker in today's world. I'm your host, Frida Kalbo, and I have spent the last decade recreating my life. I moved from Sweden to New Zealand and now live in the beautiful bush with my husband and two kids, homeschooling and creating a life and business that works for me with the help of my sensitivity and support others to do the same. I'm excited to share conversations with experts, thought leaders, and fellow sensitive people who also see the world through the lens of sensitivity. Thank you so much for being here because it means that you're creating sensitive success too, which is precisely what the world needs. Let's get started. In today's conversation, I celebrate sensitivity with Claire Kumar. She is a productivity catalyst, inspiring professionals to achieve sustainable performance, improving both productivity and well-being while avoiding exhaustion and evading burnout. Claire is an award-winning entrepreneur, executive coach, international speaker, and sought-after media contributor. Claire has been featured in Fast Company, the Huffington Post, and numerous news and lifestyle shows. She's worked with companies such as Facebook, Staple, Whirlpool, TD Bank, and the University of Waterloo. Claire's highly sensitive temperament is behind her superpower of noticing little things that make a big difference. She invites you to do the same today. And today, Claire Kumar is here to talk about productivity. Welcome, Claire. Thank you. So lovely to see you, Frida. I'm so excited to have you here. And I also wanted to ask you why you wanted to join in and celebrate sensitivity and why you think it's important. Okay. So why did I want to join in? Because ever since I've met you, I've been charmed by your energy and spirit. So that was number one. But number two is why do I want to support celebrating sensitivity? I really, really believe that sensitivity while being a challenge in many ways, is really the key to noticing profound opportunity in our world to invite a better experience for ourselves and for everyone around us. I call us chief noticers. So like I said, like you you said in the intro, you know, there's an opportunity to notice little things that make a big difference. We are incredible at that. And I have long thought society has marginalized us and it's getting worse, I think. And so I think that what I'm really excited about is calling on my fellow fellow HSPs, hashtag fellow HSP, I use that on Instagram sometimes, to invite us to move along a journey that means we understand our sensitivity and how it shows up for us, strengths and struggles. We learn how to regulate and can control what we can control. And then we step into advocating. And then beyond that, we are the game changers in the world that will make the world a better place. So you can see, I think there's a journey from recognizing the trait, the sensitivity, regulating it, advocating, and then activating. And I think that to me is there's a huge opportunity. So am I ever honored to be with you and spread the invitation to move along this journey. 
I love that. And that is awesome. I love that visual and that you're here and celebrating sensitivity with us. I'm so excited for that. So those who don't know you, tell them a bit about your journey and why you want to work with productivity. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I didn't find out about the trait of high sensitivity. It must be about seven, eight years ago now. But my whole life, when I reflect back on my experience, I was noticing things. I was advocating for myself. I was advocating for others all the way through my corporate career. And even in, you know, I shifted out of the corporate career to start my own practice. Even that exercise of figuring out what was I good at? What were my skills? I landed on organization and productivity because it was a natural interest. It was something I was good at and I saw a need for it. But all that comes from, I think that because I'm highly sensitive, I need to calm my world down. I need to have my space ordered. I need to have my schedule have breath in it. And so it was sort of survival, it's survival skills for me. And then I realized, oh, these are skills that are not taught in schools. And so now I spend a lot of time, I'm either speaking about uh, productivity and performance, leadership, work-life integration, those things, or I'm working with high-performing executives and entrepreneurs to help them better design their life so they can achieve uh, what they want in terms of accomplishments, but also that well-being, which must be integrated into your performance. That's an important work. What does productivity mean to you? Productivity means being able to accomplish the things we want to accomplish without burning out, without exhausting our resources. I really aim at getting at sustainable performance. So it's that ability to manage self, manage our attention so well that we can bring it to the intentions that we have and then execute. So it's, there's a lot of I sort of say I'm three coaches in one, the the life coaching piece, figuring out what your intentions are, getting really clear on what your values are. And for sensitive people in particular, making sure that what we spend our time on and who we're spending time with, it's all in alignment with our, our values, our personal values. So the life coaching piece. And then because I've been on my own health journey for the past 10 years now, I've learned a lot about managing an autoimmune disease and becoming more and more and more healthy as time goes on. And so all of that has fueled a learning and a lot of knowledge around well-being. So I infuse performance or wellness coaching in there. And then productivity is the piece uh, you know, understanding if we've got our intentions and we've got our attention managed because our well-being is really taken care of then it's about execution. And that's where I, that's why you see a big, big clock behind me here, because I spend a lot of time thinking about how we invest our time, how we spend it, how we set up our schedules, how we organize our space to be conducive to being able to then spend time and achieve the things we want. So it's kind of a mishmash of three different kinds of, of coaching practices. And if someone as highly sensitive, we have a tendency to really strive and burn mm-hmm. out and maybe get a bit allergic to the word productivity. Mm-hmm. What would you like to say to that? 
Well, this is why I talk about productivity and well-being together. Well-being mm. is part of productivity. So there's nobody I'm coaching that we haven't had a conversation about sleep and prioritizing rest, for example. So, you know, we can, I just, people often reach out to me and companies hire me for their employees when there's perhaps a challenge or they're feeling like somebody might have not have the organizational skills in managing work, but there's usually a lot that goes into organizing life to be able to show up and then successfully manage the tasks that we have. And the sad thing is we've never been taught this. You know, if we've had role models, we could have looked at them and learned along the way. But if we haven't had great role models, if we don't have an innate curiosity in creating order, which some, I know sensitive people out there listening, are, some of you will be saying, oh my gosh, I have totally figured this out. This is me. I've needed to figure out how to order my world in some areas, but perhaps others are not working so well. I, I have a lot of people whose home life is really running smoothly and work life is chaotic or vice versa. So it often happens that I'll talk to someone and they'll say, yeah, I need your help in this area and it's specific. So if people are listening, you can feel really good about having skills that have created order and calm and control in one area. There's a lot to be celebrated and can be ported to different areas as well. Sometimes a little work with a coach is, is helpful because you get to you get a different perspective and some insight as well on things you might try differently. Yeah, definitely. So if someone feels like they want to be more productive, where mm. would you recommend them to start? What's your mm. best tip? Yeah. I mean, a lot of times people will come to me and they want to dive right into the calendar or the task, the to-do list. I really like taking people through what I call productivity CPR. And I was already sort of alluding to there are three elements, the intention, attention, and execution part. And CPR stands for that. So compass is setting intention, performance is managing attention, and the rituals are all about execution. And a lot of people will come to me with an execution question, but inevitably we go back to intention. And the more clear you are around your intentions, what you want personally, especially when it comes to setting balance at work, the more clear about what you want in your personal life means you can articulate what you want to have happen at the end of your workday. If that's not super clear, for example, you say you wanted to learn the guitar, so you have a, a guitar class, or you're, you're going to dedicate in an hour, an hour and a half, one evening to do that. If that's really clear in your calendar, you'll have an added motivation to finish work. Through the pandemic, we saw a lot of blurred boundaries because all of a sudden nobody had a place to go and our time work could often erode those personal hours. And if you didn't have a clear idea about how you wanted to use them, we've seen a continued erosion. Then all of a sudden you're just working and working and working and you don't have this pleasure, rich connection, healthy eating, good relationships, all of these other elements that go into making a rich, fulfilling life. Yeah. Working from home. There's a lot of us that's working from home. Mm -hmm. uh, what is your best tip on that? What is the biggest mistake you see happening? You talked about eroding mm. the... Yeah. So intention is one piece. I would say get clear on what your intentions are and 
I was just doing this with a couple of clients um, this week. Plan, and, I, and if anybody wants to reach out to me, I can share it with you. It's an ideal week template. So it shows every day, right from Sunday to Saturday, every day of the week, what's your intention for the different kinds of things in your life, exercise, social connection, expressing your purpose, whether it's work or volunteering, self-development. What are the different things that need to be in your week for you to look at that week and go, yeah, I have, I even white space unspoken four times. So I feel like I've got breath in my calendar. I think planning that out is, is a really powerful exercise and to make it visual because time is abstract. That's why I have the big clock because we have to make time more concrete. And so whether it's the the clock on the wall, whether it's the calendar, really thinking about getting your intentions and having them look at them on the calendar and go, Oh, I actually don't, I don't know when I'm going to sleep if I've, I've programmed all this other time in, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, so that would be, that's really the first step. And then in performance, I talk about defining what I call your productivity table stakes. And these are such things as the amount of sleep you need in a 24-hour period, your choices around fuel, food and hydration. And so you can actually be strategic around how you want to manage your food. Is it something you want to simplify, for example? You know, some people will adopt capsule wardrobes or uniforms for work, for example, right? To to remove some decisions, which take time, remove some variety, remove some novelty and be okay to simplify. A lot of people do this with food as well. And at maybe one meal a day, it's simplified so that it's easier to execute. There's less mental energy and even physical execution time probably because of batch cooking, that kind of thing. So there are areas with productivity table stakes, your movement, your relationship to light. There are eight different areas I talk about. And when you understand your relationship in those eight different areas and how your operating system has to be, then you can know this is how I design my day. So when you have this big picture intention around social connection and purpose and development and and play in your life, then you say, okay, in my operating system, I know I need 7.5 hours of sleep, for example. Somebody might need nine. Know what you need and then design your time to give you what you need, especially for highly sensitive people. I mean, one of the tough things we have to navigate are transitions between spaces. I mean, if we wa- if I watch uh, a movie in the evening and it's upsetting, I will need time to process before I can go to sleep. If I go to sleep right away, it might be disturbed. I need, I need some time. So knowing yourself and what you need to keep functioning at your best, that goes probably the longest way to productivity. I mean, there's all kinds of hack and um, best practices around distractions and things like that. But I think knowing ourselves and highly sensitive people, one of the things we're gifted with is a great deal of self-awareness. So starting there would be my great invitation. Wonderful. Yeah, I love that exercise with the ideal week. It's so powerful Mm -hmm. because sometimes we just stare us blind at the the big goals and I want Mm -hmm. to get there and that's what I want to do. And that's my intention. But 
how does that really translate into the everyday life? How does mm-hmm. that, how do I want my week? How do I want it to look? So yeah, really powerful. Yeah. So what is the biggest action or one action step or the biggest takeaway you want the listener to have from this conversation? I've said this in a lot of talks and it seems to resonate with the audiences. You know, Sheryl Sandberg wrote the book, Lean In, right? My advice is to tune in before you lean in. And that is to really echo that idea I just talked about of really stepping into self-awareness and really honoring who you are when you design your space, when you design your calendar, when you set up your social interactions, really knowing ourselves and what we need can really set us up for greater success. Sometimes there is a cost when we have to say no to something. My most recent vacation, for example, I would, well, it was part vacation, part work. And I traveled down to Nashville to go to the National Speaking Association Conference in the US. And I was so excited. I had friends speaking on stage. I was really happy to support them. And then all of the learning and networking was gonna be just so much good relationship building. And I got to the hotel and the hotel was so, so, so noisy. I'm going to do an episode all around this on my podcast shortly around noise challenges and and how we can navigate it. But the hotel was so noisy that I decided I wasn't going to be able to go and spend a full day in a conference learning and come back into that noisy environment and be able to rest, replenish, recover so I thought, you know, I'm, it's going to be too taxing and my professional self is at risk because I will be under stress. And so I decided within an hour of being in the hotel after moving to three rooms and none of them were quiet, I said, you know what? And my, my love was with me. I said, I'm canceling the conference. We're canceling the next four nights here and we're going to go have another completely different vacation, which we did. And so sometimes we have to steer away from things that are going to be harmful to us, even if it's something we want to do, because we have to do that. We have to tune into that self-awareness to know and anticipate and take prior history, for example, as a, as a good cue of this might not turn out so well. So this is going to be what I need now. And, and let me give myself permission to claim that. Wow. Yeah, that's really powerful. And to know yourself at that level and to really be able to say no this is not working for me and then yeah. remove yourself from the situation that yeah. takes work to get there <laughs> yeah there's a little there's some confidence in it i think that the awareness piece first has to be there that you sense and that you allow yourself to check in and imagine almost how am i going to be in what's going to be asked of me in the next little bit of time will i be able to be who i want to be and in a professional setting in particular you don't want to be somebody who's unleashing because your emotional responsiveness is just overflowing and you just you can't you can't regulate as you need to. So I saw that threat and I thought, oh, that's not how I want to build my reputation in the speaking community. (laughs) I thought, I don't mind being known. And I'm sure some people are quite curious and surprised that I chose to leave because in in many cases, people are like, this is a cool place. You know, there was a buzz about it and a lot of people can tolerate it. But I did meet um, 
because of what I said, uh, Gail Lance, who has a podcast, CEO on the go, we, she just had me on her podcast. And we were talking about uh, some of this and productivity in general, but we connected because she also left, left the conference early. So as I look at that model of recognize, regulate, advocate, activate, I want to stand in that place of activation. So I'm going to actually speak to the management at the hotel and invite them to pursue opportunities to have it be a more inclusive space. And so that's where I think highly sensitive people who are really, you know, confident in being able to speak up. That's my big passion project is to work with highly sensitive people who want to find their voice and speak up to be more productive, to have a rich, fulfilling life, to affect change in the world. That's my big passion. And I think highly sensitive people are just such an asset in the world that if we can all collectively get to that strength and place, wow, this world is going to shift in such positive ways. Love it. And I really can feel your passion around it. And that's why I'm so excited to have you here as well. As you saw that when we speak up, when we set the boundaries, when we tell this is not okay for me, then you connect with other people that are like-minded as well. And, and you, you connect with those people that are good for you. And so, yeah, amazing. Yeah. It, so that's the invitation is to tune in and then see where you are on that journey. I mean, is it a moment of just taking care of yourself? Is it, or is it broader? Is it something that can come out of here that's going to be for greater well-being of more people? I love that. Is there anything else you would like to add? Just a great love of highly sensitive people. If I can say that I've been hiring highly sensitive women to work on my team. I recognize I, I recognize the talents and, you know, we can feel like outsiders. We can feel awkward. We can feel out of place, but I have this t-shirt in mind. I matter. And whether you choose to wear it or you want to have it on a mug or something like that, I really want us all to know that we matter and our voices matter and uh, our insights can really lead to a better experience in the world. Thank you so much for, for joining us. Thank you for listening to Sensitive Success. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and share it with someone who could benefit from this message. And come over and connect with me on Instagram at Frida Cabo. And remember, sensitivity is neither good or bad. It's what we make of it. Embrace your sensitivity and use it to create sensitive success your way.